friends, and welcome to Because CONCACAF, the sleep-deprived podcast where we normally break down all the action and all the craziness from the Confederation of North and Central American and Caribbean Associations of Football. With Don Palumbo, I'm Andy Lumen, and tonight we are expanding globally and recapping the group stage of the 2023 Women's World Cup. We now have our eight round of 16 matchups starting August 5th. Switzerland versus Spain, Japan versus Norway, the Netherlands versus South Africa, Sweden versus United States, England versus Nigeria, Australia versus Denmark, Colombia versus Jamaica, and France versus Morocco. Of course, if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely wondering what the hell is going on with the United States. So let's quickly recap the action in Group E. USA opened group play with a 3-0 win over Vietnam. And while it was a multi-goal win, only scoring thrice from a 28-0 advantage in total shots was an early indicator of the significant problem with finishing the Yanks exhibited in the group stage. Sophia Smith scored a brace and Lizzie Haran added a goal, while Alex Morgan had a poorly taken penalty saved, which did spark a pretty cool celebration from Vietnamese goalkeeper Tran T. Kim Tan. In a physical match, the Netherlands edged out a 1-0 win over Portugal thanks to a Stephanie van der Graat header from Charita Spitz's corner kick. While the final score was close, it was a deserved Dutch win with the Orange compiling a 12-2 advantage in shots. The pivotal match of the group came the second match day with a rematch of the 2019 final between the USA and the Netherlands. Despite a lackluster performance against Vietnam, American manager Vladko Andonovsky rolled out the exact same lineup and made just one sub the entire match, bringing on Rose Lavelle at halftime. The Dutch got on the board first, as Andy Sullivan didn't close down Leek Martins quickly enough and got blown by, leaving a huge gap for her to run at the back line. Crystal Dunn slipped, and Martins was able to play the ball wide for Arsenal legend Victoria Pulova. Her cross wasn't fully cleared by Dunn, and she recollected it and set up another Arsenal legend and current Manchester City star, Jill Roard, who had enough time in the box to take a touch and rip a shot to the bottom left corner to put the Netherlands up 1-0. Lavelle's sub did change the complexion of the match, and the Stars and Stripes held the majority of the possession in the second period. An hour into the match, Haran's Lyon teammate, Danielle Vandendonk, clears her out with a brutal challenge along the sideline and somehow escapes without a yellow card. After walking off what looked like a knock to the knee, Haran exchanged some choice words and a shove with Vandendonk before a corner kick, prompting the referee to stop the match and attempt to have a group therapy session just in the middle of the box. Once we finally got back underway, a very pissed off Haran made a decisive near post run and delivered a perfect header on Lavelle's corner kick service to tie the match at 1-1. Smith hit a rocket of a first-time shot from the top of the box in the 83rd minute, but Martin's got ahead to it to clear it away and ensure the two teams shared the points and set up a goal differential arms race on the final match day to see who won the group. Elsewhere, Portugal got their first ever World Cup win with a comfortable 2-0 decision over Vietnam, which eliminated the Diamond Girls. Tran made an impressive seven saves for Vietnam, but a half volley from Telma in Carnassau and a left-footed finish from Benfica product Kika Nazareth were enough to seal the win. Needing to score early and often against Portugal to top the group, the United States did neither of those things, meekly registering a scoreless draw that saw them advance to the round of 16 in underwhelming fashion. In fact, it was Portugal who had the best chance of the match, as Sporting Lisbon product Anna Capetta hit the post in stoppage time. Outside of a few Lynn Williams half chances early on, the U.S. looked completely disorganized in the buildup and completely unthreatening on the attack. Meanwhile, the Netherlands took care of business with a 7-0 drubbing exhausted Vietnam, including two wonder strikes from PSV product Esme Brutes. So after not qualifying for the first six World Cups, 2019 runners-up Netherlands 
advances to its third straight knockout stage with seven points and wins its group for the second straight tournament. The United States has advanced to the knockout stage in every World Cup, but this is but this time in second place with a record low of five points. USA has never finished lower than third at the World Cup. But that seems to be in significant jeopardy. Portugal finished third with four points and barely misses out on the knockout stage in its World Cup debut. Oh, Vietnam finished in last with no. What were your thoughts on, we'll call it a controversial group stage for the United States? To the listeners at home, I apologize already for my horrifically unstable internet connection tonight. I have full bars on my laptop. My router is working perfectly. It says the connection is strong. Um, But I'm tired, and we're just going to do this live. So for any missteps or issues in the recording, I sincerely apologize. But we I worked we, so hard on writing that opening too. The the sad part is is we we got about ninety nine percent of it just occasionally you for a couple seconds and then it just pick right back up where you were. So I think the message is clear. Anyway, uh, my thoughts. Um, I don't know, man. Like I felt like I was watching the Gold Cup all over again, uh, and through the group stage. Um, Overall, like, I'm going to keep this U.S. Women's National Team focused, um, obviously. Um, no connection with, with like, anybody. Um, the midfield was slow. Uh, the front three just seemed not to be cohesive in, like, any singular way. Um, Alex Morgan is a number nine that definitely needs service, and Trinity Rodman and Sophia Smith aren't exactly two players that are kind of known for that. Um, they're known for taking defenders on and beating them off the dribble. And so it just really limited the number of chances that we were able to get. Um, even in that Vietnam match, I get 28 shots to none looks daunting, but like I, I'm like, I'm trying to think of how many like clear cut chances we squandered. And I would say it'd be pretty few and far between. Um, oh man, it was, it was, uh, I don't know, man. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it's just like, it just wasn't, it wasn't good enough. And I think at the end of the day, and we'll talk about it and you'll mention it. I think we have plenty of quality and we have plenty of talent, but at the end of the day, the tactics just don't match up. Like you watch the Netherlands and they have an identity and they have like a culture within the dressing room and the U S just very clearly does not um and i don't even think i'm necessarily too upset about finishing second in the group i think you and i called that it could potentially be a goal difference battle from the beginning um when you when you're trying to figure things out in your first match against at the time motivated vietnam squad like it may be hard to score like the women's game is growing like these teams are better you're not just going to go in there and wreck a team 10 11 12 13 nothing um, without really being able to finish your chances with some quality. Um, so I'm not necessarily fin- like pissed about finishing second in the group. What I'm pissed about is just how lackluster our performance was seemingly, honestly, in five of those six halves of soccer that we played. I mean, the best half I feel like we played was the second half against the Netherlands, and we weren't good enough to put a winner across because if you win that match then you hold you hold everything you hold all the cards in your hand to win the group but we didn't so then it's a goal difference battle and i think you and i both went into that portugal match saying okay if we can just look good 
yes, we'd love to win the group, so we're not killing ourselves to watch the U.S. Women's National Team in the knockout stages at 5 a.m. and 3 a.m. and probably 2 a.m. at some point. But if we look good and can carry momentum into the knockout stages, where we finish in the group standings is going to be irrelevant. And instead, we laid another egg. I, I don't know, man. It was It was a compelling group, genuinely. Hats off to the Netherlands, man. They're really freaking good. I think you have to call them one of the favorites in this competition. Portugal, I think, as a newbie, was really inspiring to watch. It's almost unfortunate that they didn't advance um, because I I think for a good portion of that match against the U.S., they were definitely the deserving winners. Um, It's almost a shame that they couldn't finish that chance late in the second half, but... Anyway, not many thoughts, man. I, I'm honestly just a little disheartened, and I feel like um, the end is near, and I feel like the end is coming against Sweden, and right now I feel like we're just kind of awkwardly waiting for that to happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow the word that you used when we were texting during one of these games. I think Vladko is committing malpractice. <sighs> when you have this many world-class talented players and the effort is not even the effort. I think the effort is there. I think everyone is certainly playing hard. It means a lot, but when the product is so bad and the tactics are so completely wrong, it's just inexcusable. I mean, I think you mentioned the midfield. They're getting completely overrun because every team, especially the Netherlands is just overloading it like crazy. Andy Sullivan, Great NWSL player, but she's getting absolutely overrun at the number six position, which is where Julie Ertz thrives. And I think playing Julie Ertz as a center back, while it worked in 2015, and she's certainly good in that role, and she's been very good with Naomi Gurma. I think Gurma's been one of the better players for the U.S. in this World Cup. But I think what what the U.S. needs is Ertz in that role there, if you're going to stick with the 4-3-3. It's just not working right now. I mean, they're getting completely overloaded. One thing I forgot to mention, Rose Lavelle picked up a second yellow in that Netherlands match. So she's suspended for the Sweden game in the round of 16. She's one of the few players that can break the game just off of individual skill. And now you're not going to have that. I don't think it's fair to ask Savannah DeMello to be Rose Lavelle because there's only one Rose Lavelle on the earth. So that's not going to work either. I mean, I think the Texans just have to change completely if we're going to have a chance at advancing crystal done. And we, we talked about in the preview episode is being asked to play at a world-class level out of position. And she's done that in the past and it's insane that she has. And I think it speaks to where the world game is now that we can't really get away with that anymore. I like to see her move up into the midfield I almost I, I was thinking about this on my on my drive into work today. I almost kind of want to like play around with like a three, three in the back. We have not played Alana Cook a single minute. Yeah. What is she doing on the roster if I she's not gonna fucking play? And like I think you have to Ashley trust her. Saint I think you have side. to trust Gurma paired with her that they'll be fine. Like the back line has actually been one of the better parts of if the you, team, but just if like, you look at the numbers. If you look at the number, like I think it, I can't remember um, which individual that it may have been Meg Linehan that that talked about this on Twitter, but like she broke down from the last 
from the three previous World Cup group stages in this World Cup group stage that the way this back line is performing is statistically like the best of those four. Yeah. When you look at XG allowed, when you look at chances created against them, chances defended, shots actually on goal, they gave up one goal, which was a gorgeous team move by the Netherlands, and they had that one scare against Portugal. And outside of that, I don't really think Alyssa Nair's really been tested much. So I don't think she's literally made a save. Because she probably hasn't needed to. Right. I mean... Yeah, I I think what kills me even more is, like, okay, it's one thing when you come in with a game plan, other teams scout you well, it doesn't work. Look, it is what it is. It happens to everyone. What really kills me about Vladko right now is his complete unwillingness to adjust to anything. Mm-hmm. That Netherlands match was crying out for fresh legs. Like, okay, you go down one nothing, you get punched in the mouth a little bit. You bring on Rose in the second half. The tide starts to shift. We're peppering the goal with shots. Things are looking up. You just need a little bit of extra oomph. He made one sub the entire match. FIFA allows you five now. Like, he's using less than you were allotted back in the pre-COVID days. Now you have two extra subs. You have probably the world's most talented bench you have attackers like Trinity Rodman and Lynn Williams and Alyssa Thompson. And we're playing Megan Rapino still. Like and, and I love Megan Rapino. Same, but she has been appalling. She is there for the horrible. vibes and the locker room. She's not there to actually see the field. And if you need a like a chance, a, like a set piece in the 88th minute, sure. Right. Yeah, meter I think that's like P- the perfect role meter for, for PKs in the night. Like I could easily, I would love Vladko to bring her on if we're in extra time in like the 118th minute, just so she's on the field for PKs. That's her role, is it not? Oh, it absolutely should be, and I think is a valuable one and one that she massively valuable one potentially play perfectly, but instead, I think she got like a half hour against Portugal and did fuck all with it. Uh, you mentioned Alex Morgan has been anonymous. Uh, it's It's been tough. It, like, as a coach, like, so me and my buddy, Michael Heller, who is one of, like, the few people who actually listens to this podcast, so shout out to Michael. So we coached rec league, like, high schoolers when we were in college. Little Cubs. Like the lowest level you could possibly coach at, but obviously we we took it seriously. The kids took it; they were they were passionate, and we had a great group of kids. They were very talented, and he and I, you know, we would come up with game plans, and sometimes the game plans were shit. And you play five minutes, you go, "Whoo, well that's not working. Let's change it up." And and to me, that seems like the most basic level of coaching because we did it at the most basic level of coaching. Cause we would say like, Oh wow, like this shit's not working. We should change it up. And then we would change it up and it would get better. I don't understand how Vladko and his coaching staff are looking at what's happening on the field and going, maybe we should just keep trying. Maybe we should just keep trying the same thing. Like, what are you doing? Like, what, what exactly are we doing here? It's I, and it does not give me a ton of hope that things are going to change for the knockout stage. Like this isn't just a, 
oh, let's just try harder a situation. Like there's no ball progression. I think they're trying no too creation. hard. It's- they're trying too hard and they have no direction of what they're supposed to do. Like Kim McCauley has been my like Twitter account of reason during all of this. Yeah, she's awesome. And and fans will tweet like, why are we so slow? And she literally just tweeted because they don't know what to do next. So they have to stop and think when they get the ball. And that's what you're seeing. Like, so we've scored four goals. And the only one that you could say had any fluidity to it was the opener against Vietnam. Yeah. That's the only one where it didn't feel disjointed or discombobulated or like it was a chance just kind of gifted to us. It's the only one where it was like the players, like we took it to a back line, cut them up, and scored. Yeah, it was, it was Haran playing a line-breaking ball. Morgan had a really great first touch. And, and put in, and put in the best finish. attacker in the world. Yeah, it was beautiful. I almost feel like the... In in my drive-in, I was like trying to spitball just like a radically different lineup. And maybe this is nonsense, but you know, it it's something different. What if you played and hear me out here? I'm three gonna in the probably back. I'm gonna probably agree with you. So just go. I'm mostly spitballing. All right, three in the back. You put all three center backs there. So you go Ertz as like the central center back, German Cook alongside her, push. Done up as a wing back in the midfield, and then bring on Kelly O'Hara as the other wing back. Have Haran. Um, I would put Sanchez, Ashley Sanchez, at kind of like that number ten role. Haran and like fuck it, Christy Mewis, who we haven't seen at all, as your kind of central double pivot ish, and then. Any choice of like the full of the non Rapino forwards, basically, and maybe not Thompson because she's so young, but like any of the other four, like mix and match. Like you give me like Smith and Rodman up top, especially like the Rodman Sanchez connection is really good because they play for the spirit together. Like it'd be something different, at least. Like I, I imagine Sweden has looked at the film of us looking horrible in a 4 3 3 and has figured out how to just well, overload but, the midfield, you know? But here's what I'm confused though with is when we've looked at our best over the last probably two years, it's when we've played a 4-3-3, and at times a 4-3-3 with a false nine, or we'll stick Sophia Smith in that number nine role, and she'll effectively play as another number 10 with the rows right in behind her. And... All of a sudden, we've we're not doing that anymore, or we play it four two three one with a double pivot, and we're not doing that anymore, and we're doing whatever the whatever the fuck this is, and the like I, I like okay. There's a part of me that understands like what. Like again, you and I have have been in the athletics realm, so like you get a we've gotten a front row seat to like what the mind of a coach is. So I I guess I I there's a part of me that understands. Okay, we don't look great against Vietnam. 
but we take care of business. We create enough chances and we score to say, okay, I don't want to jump ship on this lineup yet because it's a lot of young players who've never been in this moment before. Trinity Rodman said her heart was beating so loud during the anthem that she couldn't hear the anthem. Like, like there's a level of, of growth that, that you have to put your players through in a world cup. Right. So I'm okay with entering the Netherlands match saying, okay, I think we've gotten the shit out of us. So we're going to run it back and give you another chance. But then when it still wasn't working, what is happening, what has happened is inexcusable. Because to me, like, we should have left that Netherlands match going, okay, a lot needs to change. We're probably not going to win the group now. But let's put together a performance that will give us some level of momentum going into the knockouts. Because, it, man, if we had gone in and fucking smashed Portugal 2 or 3 nil, yeah, okay, you know, you still don't win the group because the Netherlands put, like, 19 past Vietnam. I don't care. I don't care if you're playing well. We should crush Sweden. I mean, I told this to you when I realized what the bracket was, that we did some Gold Cup shit here, where, like, in the semis, we could potentially play the Netherlands again, that the path to the final wasn't going to be much different whether we came in first or in second in the group. That as long as we got into the knockouts, the path was going to be the same. And I wasn't too worried about it. And now I'm terrified because we don't even look like a goddamn soccer team. We look like 11 people running around. And the sad part is, is we have enough quality and our back line has been good enough to where we could hunker down and keep a team scoreless. And we have enough quality going forward where if we make it past the round of 16 and Rose is back, we have Sophia Smith. I mean, like we have enough MFs to create a chance or two and get a goal out of nowhere and win one nil. Like we are talented enough to do that. And that angers me in some ways because our tactics are so horrific. Sorry. So, <laughs> you, you mentioned this also when we were texting earlier, it's almost like Portugal, the 2016 euros really just like they figured it out either way and like win penalty shootouts. To, to continue to beat my head against the tactical brick wall, I love a good 4-3-3, like, in, in theory. Like, it's probably my favorite, you know, formation. It's total football. It's beautiful. And it works really well for the U.S. when we have our top line in it. But to have a successful 4-3-3 the way we're playing it, you need, you need. It is so crucial, probably the most crucial role on the field, the number six to be elite, be elite at winning the ball back, be elite at starting the attack. I don't mean to pile on Andy Sullivan. She's terrible. She's not that. And Julie Ertz is. Yeah. And Julie Ertz is that. And so if you're going to play that formation, like if we're going to stick in and say, this is what we're doing, she has to be in it. It also really relies on your number 10 being super creative, which Rose Lavelle has been, but now we're without her. And it really relies on, your box-to-box midfielder being the connective tissue, which I think Haran has done well. I, I've been pleased with Haran. But if you're out, 
you're out Lavelle because of suspension. If you're going to stick Ertz at center back, that midfield is doomed to fail and it's doomed to get overrun. It's, they're just going to be underwater the entire game and we're going to see the same thing. Well, the other the other thing that I think bothers me is like when you look at the Dutch, like they've got a number of injuries as well to their top 11. And you know what their manager has done? He has Adjusted. shifted. He has shifted what they're doing to get every single one of their best players on the field. Like, like this is the national team. This isn't a club team. Like, you're not training 17 times a week, 58 weeks in a row a year. You, I, and I kept saying it with the men this earlier this summer. Like, your chances are so finite. And in the women's game, it's even more finite because there's no full qualifying campaign most of the time. You're you're just kind of you're just sort of playing and dicking around in friendlies until the World Cup and the Olympics every year. And so because of that, like you have to make sure that all of your best players can get on the field at once and are put in a position to succeed. Hell, Portugal is doing that better than the U.S. And my internet's unstable, so maybe this cut off. I have no idea. Oh, I'm back. Here we go. Um, You're back. I'm sorry, man. I <sighs> Yeah, I'm, I, I agree, I think, with what I at least heard. I will say, as we just try and maybe wrap up Group Group E, I'll push back. I don't think the Netherlands are a favorite. I think they're good. I think they'll they'll probably win a game in the knockout stage. I think they'll probably beat South Africa. I think they're really missing Vivian Miedema up top. And to your point, I mean they've adjusted well and gotten chances, but I just I don't think their attack is going to get it done to be a favorite. I will say, uh, I mean Portugal also similarly didn't look super dangerous, but. I think that's a team that's going to challenge for knockout stages in future World Cups. I was really impressed with them. I think they have some some pieces. I thought Nazareth was Agreed. good. The Agreed. the collective Silvas I thought were good. Um, Vietnam. I mean, you look at the scoreline; it is what it is. But I thought they played with tremendous heart. <laughs> um, I thought they did way better than I thought they were going. I I assumed they were going to be like Thailand in 2019 and just get like <laughs> two touchdowns scored on them. Absolutely so I finally. Not. I finally watched the highlights of that Netherlands match. To say they were out of gas is like oh, the under oh, yeah. understatement of of like the century, if we're being honest. Yeah. I, I think their level really shows how much the the global level of the yeah. women's game has grown, which I think is super, super cool. Um Indeed. you and I going into this tournament. Because it's every like most World Cups before this, you just you know there's going to be some blowouts. Not every team is going to be good. There were very few teams at this World Cup, if any, honestly, that were completely out of their depth. I thought Vietnam, despite what it was on paper, I thought they they played admirably. Agreed. All right, I I can't talk about the U.S. anymore. Let's 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 talk let's about Group re- A. Let's recap the rest of the chaos because to preface everything we're about to talk about. I would hope all of you listening followed along, and I know it was hard to follow along with these matches being at like 2 in the morning, but um, I thought this was the most compelling group stage I've ever seen at the Women's World Cup. I thought it had the most chaos, and FIFA has done a lot of things wrong 
in its time in existence as the head organization of world soccer. Um, but I, I think the expansion of this tournament to 32 teams is one of the better ones that they've made. Um, and even to 24 before that, because you're, we ha- I think we actively saw how far the women's game has come in four years over the last two and a half weeks. So let's talk about group. Which a. is like almost ca- like it's almost counterintuitive to what you would expect as you expand more. You would expect, okay, we're letting in eight more teams. The quality overall is probably gonna dip. And that's the opposite of what happened. Like we've yes. expanded to 32 teams and the quality raised even more. Super, super cool. Uh, Group A. Group A may have had the two predictable teams advance to the round of 16, but it was not without some beautiful chaos. In the opening game of the tournament, Norway, one of only four nations to ever win this competition, fell one to nothing to New Zealand, the host country getting its first ever win at a World Cup. In the 48th minute, India Paige Riley split two Norwegian defenders with a through ball from midfield. They got Jackie Hand in behind the defense along the right wing. Her Cross found former Tennessee volunteer great Wilkinson who raced past center backs and calmly deposited the first time into the net and set off an epic celebration. One of the best moments of the tournament right out of the gates. And it could have been 2-0, but Rhea Percival's late penalty kick banged off the crossbar, which is typical for a Tottenham Hotspur player. Uh, Switzerland notched a tuna win over the Philippines through a penalty conversion from PSG's Ramona Bachman and a rebound goal from Serena Pubel. The chaos continued in the Philippines-New Zealand matchup. In the 24th minute, New Zealand failed to clear a free kick, and Sarah Egesvik's cross found Serena Bolden, who snapped in a header to score the first-ever World Cup goal for the Philippines as the lone score of the game secured its first-ever World Cup win in just its second-ever match. The only match moments before kickoff in Norway, Switzerland, star Norwegian attacker Ada Hegerberg was pulled from the starting lineup after suffering a groin injury in warm-ups. Without her, the Norwegian attack was stagnant, and the Swiss grinded out a scoreless draw behind five saves from Real Betis veteran Gail Thalman. So just needing a draw to advance, Switzerland played one of the least eventful World Cup matches I've ever seen to notch a second straight scoreless draw against New Zealand. And needing to win to advance and run up the score to beat out the Kiwis on goal difference, Norway finally found the back of the net in a 6-0 drubbing of the Philippines with Roma striker and header queen Sophie Haug notching a hat trick. So in their second World Cup appearance, Switzerland wins their group for the first time with five points. Uh, In 2015, they finished third but advanced to the round of 16 on goal difference and lost to Canada 1-0 in the round of 16. Norway finishes second and advances with four points and a plus-five goal differential. This is the third straight knockout stage appearance for the 1995 champions. In 2019, they fell to England in the quarterfinals. New Zealand finished third with four points and an even goal differential. And while they've never made it to a World Cup knockout round, this was definitely their best ever showing at this tournament. Uh, the football ferns did make the quarterfinals of the 2012 Olympics, mind you, though. Uh, the Philippines came in last with three points. but The debutantes finished just two points behind the group winners, which is a pretty massive achievement. What were your thoughts on Group A? I have changed scenery um, to try to get closer to the router so so we can stop having breakups in there. But um, fun group. Uh, I will say I think the last day was definitely very anticlimactic. Um, I think you and I were really hoping for some miracles there. 
Um, but to me, I think we saw two of the moments of the tournament with Hannah Wilkinson's goal against um, Norway. I mean, the like, like the energy in the, in the stadium. I mean, Chills. It, so it looked like it was gonna like explode. Um, it's funny being a again for those listeners at home. I am a um, a new NASCAR fan this year, um, and a buddy of mine when NASCAR went to North Wilkesboro for the all-star race, the race was terrible, but the event was amazing. And the crowd was incredible. And the crowds this year have been really good at NASCAR as opposed to kind of more recent years. And he said, it's nice to see that NASCAR still hits. And that moment with Hannah Wilkinson, it was like, it is nice to know that soccer just hits like this sport. Like it just hits differently sometimes um and it's nuts that that moment was in the first match of the tournament um the philippines obviously um beating new zealand on match day two i think is even more crazy um yeah okay they bunkered their counter bunkered and countered their way to the win but i i think it's just yeah i don't know i'm getting kind of goosebumps now right like i think i think everybody goes to again the the chances at these tournaments is so finite that like it is hard to win matches right like it's hard to advance it's hard to earn points it's hard to just get three points sometimes in a match i.e brazil and germany right and the philippines were able to do that in their second ever world cup match and that to me is like that's just absolutely incredible. Um, in all, though, I will say, like, Switzerland's fine. I mean, Norway was pretty lackluster. Um, I, I, I just, I personally don't see either of those two teams taking down Japan or Spain, who we'll talk about uh, coming up and when we preview the round of 16 real quick at the end. But, um, I don't know. I guess a little let down that those are the two teams advancing because they're just the least interesting. Um, I mean, I guess Norway with Herdeberg being hurt still, like you and I talked about it, like they're going to need her if they want any hope of advancing. Um, who do they play? Japan. If they if they want any hope of, yeah. of taking down Japan, I mean, they're going to need her and then some. And um, they have the talent to do it, but I, I don't know, man. Like, it's not there's not much there. There's no sauce. There's no oomph to it. Um, I'm sure one of those two teams will find a way to like bunker their way to a PK shootout against Japan or Spain, and one of them may sort of get lucky. You tend to have one of those every international tournament where a team that you don't expect just kind of I don't want to say skates their way into like the quarters of the semis, but they get there and you're like, how the, how the hell is this team here? Um, so one of those two teams could do that. But in all the storylines from Group A were New Zealand and the Philippines. And if I'm being honest with you, it's kind of a shame that um, neither of those two teams were able to advance. I mentioned this in our preview pod, and I'm kind of glad it came to fruition. I was hoping for a moment that was like the 2010 Men's World Cup when Shabalala scored for South Africa as they hosted yeah, and we got that one. It's like, I still, I was in, I, I was in a sophomore in high school and I still remember the way I felt watching that goal. And I think that Hannah Wilkinson goal is 
right yeah. on that level. I and agree. it's like, that's the stuff you watch this for. So, so cool. Um, I was all in on the Filipinas. I know you were. Lots of American-born players um, with Filipina heritage. Um, so that was really cool. It was almost kind of like a like a U.S. sister team in a lot of ways. Uh, I also love – they had some college mid-major all-stars. So the goal scorer, Bolden, is currently playing for Western Sydney in the A-League in Australia, so kind of a home match. She was an all-conference player at Loyola Marymount. Yeah, she was. Then the goalkeeper, Olivia McDaniel, who made uh, several very good saves, as far as I can tell, is not attached to a pro club or is like maybe playing semi-pro. She played at Milwaukee, go Panthers, sure. Horizon League. Um, so, yeah, I, I was all in on the Filipinas. Um, there's a lot of teams at this World Cup that did not do as well as the Philippines did. Correct. And they were probably the biggest underdog you could possibly get. But yes, they did better than freaking Argentina. Andy, they won a match. Like, that's they wild. won. They won a match. Um, yeah, I, I will echo your sentiments on Norway. I think if they don't have Hegerberg, they are in trouble. Um, I do appreciate how she eventually got her hat trick, but she nearly got a hat trick on like a back heel finish. And just being the shithouser for that I am, I just I love that. I know you oh, the best. And so, I mean, without Hegerberg, this the strategy for Norway is just gonna be spam crosses to Haug and just see if she can head one. And it honestly might work, especially against Yeah, Japan. maybe, maybe get something off a set piece. And um, I mean, Japan will let them play with the ball. Like, like, like they'll have a decent bit of possession in that match. I, I just, I struggle to see them being able to break them down with any sort of consistency. Um, and to, to not have your top scoring threat, like, I mean, like you have, you have to be efficient with your chances as well against Japan as Spain found out very, very quickly. Um, but yeah, I I don't really think we have too much more to talk about with Group yeah. A. Like, it is what it is. Two teams we may not have liked advanced, but that's how it goes. Group B, the group of de- group of death delivered on craziness. Um, and an unfortunate continuation on a theme. Australian superstar Sam Kerr was ruled out of the first two matches, but the Aussies still opened with a one 0 win over Ireland. Manchester City star Haley Rosso was shoved in the box, drawing a penalty that Steph Catley, a veteran of the NWSL for several years and current Arsenal legend, converted beautifully in the 52nd minute. The moment of the Canada-Nigeria match came from Nigerian goalkeeper Chamaka Nadozi. Ageless wonders, Christine Sinclair drew and then took a well-struck penalty, but Nadozi dove and stuck out a strong left hand to stop the shot, then popped right back up to swat the rebound away as Sinclair descended upon it. That preserved a huge scoreless draw for the Super Falcons. Arsenal legend Katie McCabe opened the Ireland-Canada match in astounding fashion in the fourth minute, scoring the first-ever Irish World Cup goal off an Olympico. Canada equalized in first-half stoppage time as former Texas Longhorns great and current Juventus star Julia Grasso whipped in a cross that bounced off an Irish defender into the goal. Then Adriana Leon, an SEC champion at Florida, who now plays at Manchester United, put Canada ahead for good in the 53rd minute for a final score of 2-1, to one, eliminating Ireland after two gutsy performances. Australia opened the scoring against Nigeria 
uh, in first half stoppage time through San Diego Waves, Emily Van Egmond. But the Super Falcons equalized before halftime as racing Louisville's Uchenna Kanu, who played NAIA college soccer at Southeastern University, hit a volley that rolled inside the near post. Nigeria took the lead in the 65th minute through Osanache Ohale as the former Houston Dash great hitted home a rebound. Asisat Oshwala, one of the greatest African players ever and a former Arsenal great now at Barcelona, doubled the lead as she pounced on a misplayed header from center back Alana Kennedy and scored on an empty net from a tight angle. Kennedy, the Manchester City product, did redeem herself in stoppage time with a headed goal from a corner kick, but the damage was done and Nigeria won 3-2. Nigeria secured their spot in the round of 16 with a scoreless draw against Ireland. Then hosts Australia eliminated Canada, the reigning Olympic gold medalist, with a huge 4-0 win. Rasa scored a brace. The excellent Mary Fowler found the score sheet, and Catley converted another perfect penalty. So Australia wins the group on six points, advancing to the knockout stage for the fifth straight World Cup. The Matildas have never made it past the quarterfinals, though, so a thing to strive for them. Nigeria places second with five points, making their third total and second consecutive World Cup knockout stage. In 2019, they lost in the round of 16 to Germany. Canada finishes third with four points and will miss out on the knockout stage for the first time since 2011 after earning medals in three straight Olympic tournaments. Ireland comes in last with one point, but they were making their major tournament debut, and that includes European championships. They had never played at a Euros, never played at Olympics, never played at a World Cup, um, so they did at least earn a point. Dom, your takeaways on Group B. The headline story is McCabe's goal against Canada. The headline story to me is Canada. Um, That federation did Christine Sinclair a complete and utter fucking disservice. Um, That woman is literally the only reason Canadian soccer was relevant for two fucking decades. And they couldn't give her her and her teammates enough time to train before the biggest competition in the world. After winning a gold medal at the Olympics. I believe that was her first title in like an international tournament. Like first major title for Christine Sinclair. Um. They had two bronzes at the Olympics before it, that. It, I just, I, I can't, I, I, I can't let, I can't let that shit go. I, I, I don't understand how these federations can watch what's happening and continue to underfund their women's national teams. And the part that angers me about Canada is, is, this isn't even a fucking women's issue. This is their Bush League Federation. They might go like bankrupt. Just just not giving a damn and being led horrendously bad. Like the men had a lackluster summer because of that. And the women now crash out of the group stage in terrible fashion. Because of a federation that can't just figure it out. Like, like this is this, the, the team that Canada threw on the field is a team that should easily be a quarter finalist and, and be competing to medal at every World Cup right now. 
Just that's what it is. And instead, we watch them look like flailing idiots against Australia. I mean, what are you doing? Um, so that's my rant there. Complete disservice to arguably a top three, four, five player ever in the women's game in Christine Sinclair. Arguably the greatest ever as she scored the most ever international goals. Anyway, and rant there. Um, it was a compelling group, ton of great matches. Nigeria is full of sauce. They are also underfunded by their federation and beat all the odds, like a number of other other teams that made it to the round of 16. Um, I would argue, as weird as this sounds, I think the second best game in the entire group of this group was when Nigeria and Canada drew nil-nil. It was just like an absolute yeah. barn burner of a match. Um, that sure. was like, honestly not all nil nil draws are made uh, equally, and that was a very entertaining one. It was. Um, I thought every match had its level of sauce and intensity to it. Um, Ireland, I thought, showed a ton. <laughs> I mean, I felt like I was watching the pan. I felt like I was the way I was watching them and thinking about them was the same way about the Panamanian men at Nations League. Like, okay, they're not going to advance, but like. I mean, much like Portugal in Group E, like this is a team that if if they can find a way to continue growing their talent on the women's side, like, I mean, they could be competing for the knockout stages and potentially beyond in yeah. future World Cups. I mean, they got a brutal draw with three teams that are, like, good enough to be quarterfinalists. Yes. Yep. I thought it was a great group. Um, and, and, I mean, Australia ended up winning – and just I think you you just need a host to, to outside of the Qatari World Cup. You it, it's just better for a World Cup when the host advance advances. Like the energy's still there, the sauce is still there, um, the crowds are still very much into it because the home team is still around. So great group, angry at the Canadian Federation. A lot of fun to watch, a lot of drama, a little bit of chaos on the final day. I think this was, to me, this was one of the few groups that genuinely had, like, everything that you hope for. Yeah, I mean, to emphasize your point, as awesome and fun and chaotic as this World Cup has been, two really disheartening storylines and just kind of overarching themes. One is injuries to top players, and the other is federations just, severely underfunding their teams and it you could probably pick out a team in every group um and you like to see that as teams get better and perform at a higher level and i think it's slowly but surely getting there that these federations are putting money behind it and it's growing but frustratingly slow process um i will my point i am a katie mccabe stan through and through (laughs) so good (laughs) she she almost single-handedly dragged Ireland basically into contention for the entire group stage. I mean, she was everywhere. Um, she is the unique combination of being the best and also the toughest player on the Ireland team. Um, if they're, Whatever the equivalent of like a Gordie Howe hat trick in soccer is, like, <laughs> have that. like it's, she cracks me up because she's like 5'5", five, five, and she yes. will fist fight you. Like, she yep. will does not care. And then she, like... When you see an Olympico goal, when you score directly from a corner kick, a lot of times it's not intentional or you're just trying to get a cross in and like the wind takes it or like you hit it funny and the goalie misreads it. 
She 100% meant to do that. And knew it was going in and started celebrating like as it was curling. She sprinted like when it was halfway there. That (laughs) is such a baller move. Awesome. Arsenal legend. Huge. This like because CONCACAF is a Katie McCabe stan podcast. um, Nigeria is good. I think they can make some noise in the knockout round. Oshwala had a number of really good looks against Ireland um, that could have seen them top the group. Um, I will you know, go on a quick tangent here. Nadozi plays currently plays for Paris FC, not PSG. Paris FC. I have a scarf of them behind yes. me now that yes, you can do. see it. Yes, you it's, do. It's a podcast. But anyways, when I was in grad school, we went on a trip to Europe and we spent a couple days in Paris. So we, as a group, went to a Paris FC match and we we're all kind of disappointed because, you know, you're in Paris, you want to go see PSG. Although we did see PSG handball, which was super lit. Maybe this could be a handball podcast next time. But Paris FC, so they're women playing the top division, but for the men, they're in Ligue 2. And it, it like reminded me of like old school RFK, like super concrete stadium, like real gritty. They're playing Nantes and the visiting fans set off this huge firework that if it happened anywhere in the U.S., the stadium immediately would have been evacuated and no one blinked an eye. We were sitting next to the supporters section. They didn't sell beer in the stadium, but it reeked of weed the whole time. I watched like a guy in the supporters group, like drop his joint on like the track surrounding the field. And like the security guy just like picked it up and handed it back to him. Like, I love this place. Um, so anyways, Nadozi plays for them. What a great I story. I don't think she will for very long. I, I think she her stock has risen and she's going to be playing for like probably a top top level team in France or maybe elsewhere. Um, also, Australia has some weapons, too. If they can get Kerr back healthy, they can also make some noise. Got a favorable path to yeah. um, winning the group. Like they, don't, they avoid England until at least the semis. So, you know. Yeah. Group C. Uh, felt like it was over before it really got started. Spain opened the group with a dominant 3-0 win over Costa Rica, while Japan trounced Zambia 5-0, including a brace from Hanata Miyazawa. Both teams continued their dominance on the second match day, with Spain gaining their own 5-0 win over Zambia through braces from Jennifer Hermoso, the all-time leading scorer for Barcelona and Spain, who is currently playing for Pachuca in Mexico, and Alba Redondo, the top scorer in the Spanish league last year for Levante. Japan then defeated Costa Rica 2-0 with goals from Hikaru Naomoto and Aoba Fujino. So with both teams already eliminated, Zambia won the de facto consolation match against Costa Rica 3-1, the first ever World Cup win for the Copper Queens. That also set up a de facto group championship match between Japan and Spain in a remarkable match where Spain held a whopping 77% of the possession. Japan put on a masterclass in counterattacking and won 4-0. Miyazawa had a brace, and Rico Yoki and Mina Tanaka each added a goal. For all of their possession, Spain was only able to muster two shots on target. So Japan wins the group on nine points, scoring 11 goals and conceding none. The 2011 champions advance to the knockout stage for the fourth straight World Cup. Spain advances in second on six points, their second straight knockout stage appearance. They're looking to build on 2019 when they lost to the United States in the round of 16. Zambia comes in third place with three points in their World Cup debut. They did register a third-place finish in the most recent Africa Cup of Nations. They also finished third in their group of the Tokyo Olympics with a draw against China. 
Well, this is probably still the high watermark for the Copper Queens. Costa Rica, the Ticas, finishes last and without a point, making their second World Cup appearance. This was a drop-off from 2015 when they recorded draws against Spain and South Korea. Uh, your thoughts on Group C? This, I think, was the only group in the group stage that, like, from start to finish, I think, went about 85 to 90% of how we thought it was going to go. Um, the, <laughs> the Japan result over Spain, I thought, was, like, wildly eye-opening. Yeah. Um, a little disappointed in Zambia. Um, again, another another federation that just can't fund um, their women's program or chooses not to. Um, I do think they've got some talent. I think they've got some sauce. I think they showed a lot more of who they actually are against Costa Rica. Um, I think when you're playing good teams, I think um, – one thing I did notice from Zambia was they were pretty brave. Um, they, they didn't just kind of sit in and hunker down. Like I think they really tried to play free flowing and as open as they could. Um, <laughs> but when you do that against much better opponents, like you're going to leave yourself vulnerable. And I, I said this to you, I think in both matches, against Spain and Japan. I think for brief moments early on, they looked the part of a team that could compete with, with national teams and that kind of upper echelon. But once, I mean, once you give up that first goal, like it was, it just started, it just started to snowball. Um, So a little disappointing from them. I'm hopeful that they, they've kind of learned a good bit about themselves and what they can be from this experience. And, Ideally, they can qualify four years from now and give us some more, give us some more sauce on the world stage. Um, but to me, Japan, I think, is the if you have to pick a favorite of the sixteen teams left, I, I think it has to be them. Really? I mean, Over like England? Yes. I mean, nobody was as comprehensive in the group stage as Japan was. I mean, yeah, that's fair. Like, like I, I, I'm. You yell at me all the time that I need to go off of what I see and what yeah. actually happens, and not just go off vibes. And they're organized at the back. <laughs> They've rotated their squad, yep. so they're all fresh for the knockout rounds. Staring at Vladko. This, yeah, this is a federation that has been here before. And done this before, um, and they're clinical. I mean, they they take their chances and they finish them. Um, they've played different ways in every single match. They can they can bunker down and counter you to death. They can possess the shit out of you. Um, yeah, I thought Spain was wildly impressive. And if you're a fan of the Spanish women's national team, I think the one thing you can kind of hang your hat on is that they got their shitty match out of the way in the group stage in a match that didn't not have meaning, but didn't really change much of the outcome of the group, right? Losing Especially when you look at group A and the teams are going to be matched up against that it really didn't matter. They were probably going to be favored against whoever they're going to play anyways. Exactly. So – you know, if you're a fan of that team, I think you you can kind of hang your hat on that. And um, Costa Rica, thanks for playing. Thanks for showing yeah. up. Glad I mean, you could make we're it. We're a CONCACAF podcast. I was pretty disappointed from the Ticos. Figured, I thought they would at least give Zambia 
Well, they they looked competitive against Spain and Japan, and they just looked lifeless in that final match. And that's all right. I mean, that's going to happen. But anyway. And it is. We talk about, I mean, Group E was a group of death. This was also a brutal draw for Costa Rica and Zambia. Spain and Japan, like we've said, are two quarterfinal level, if not further, teams. So that's tough, too. Uh, to your point about federations, also worthy to keep in mind, Spain has some players boycotting this tournament over disputes with their federation, over like a number of issues, including the current head coach, Jorge Vilda. So they're playing well despite that, but it's certainly not helping. They're not completely at full strength. Um, Japan, I'm going to stare at Vladko again, has been playing three in the back, and it's been super effective. Just throwing it out there. Uh, also, June Endo, Angel City player, has been balling on the left wing for them. Provide, she hasn't scored, but has provided a ton of service, got a ton of assists. Um, she's fun to watch. A clear hierarchy was established in Group D with the two European sides advancing, but not without a strong fight from the rest of the group. Uh, despite 10 saves from Curly Teos, who plays for FC Miami City in the USLW League. England did beat Haiti 1-0 thanks to a penalty conversion from former Man City player and current Bayern Munich star Georgia Stanway. China uh, just does a great job of deadening a game, but Denmark eventually came out with a 1-0 win over them thanks to an Amelie Vansgaard header from a perennial harder corner kick in the 89th minute. England picked up another 1-0 win over Denmark with a Lauren James wonder strike in the sixth minute, pro- providing the difference. Vansgaard had a header hit the post in the 87th minute and the best chance for the Danes, while the Lionesses lost crucial defensive midfielder Kara Walsh to injury. Haiti was done in by a penalty once again in a 1-0 loss to China. Wayne Schwan, who plays for Racing Louisville in the NWSL, converted in the 74th minute. Both teams had VAR reviews decide against additional penalties as well. Denmark secured their place on the, in the knockout stage with a comfortable 2-0 win over Haiti with goals from Harder and Sané Trollsgaard. And England finally flexed their muscle as a tournament favorite in a 6-1 to one blowout over China that featured a brace from James that would have been a hat-trick without a controversial offside decision. So England gets nine points from nine to top the group and advance to the knockout stage for the fifth straight World Cup. They've made the semifinals in the past two competitions as well. Competing in their first World Cup since 2007, Denmark makes it out of the group for the first time since 1995, this time in second with six points. The red and white have never made it past the quarterfinals. China, runners up in 1999, the iconic Brandy Chastain taking off the jersey, sports bra photo that came against China. They placed third with three points. The only other time they haven't made it to the knockout stage was in 2007 when they didn't qualify for the tournament, so disappointing for them. Haiti finishes in last without a point in their World Cup debut. Thoughts on Group D? Haiti was fun, although they didn't score. Um, I think they showed me a lot. I don't know if they showed you a lot, but oh, yeah. um, I was I was very impressed with them. Um, just missing. I mean, they're just missing that quality in the final third. Um, I think they've got it pretty much everywhere else. Um, Lauren James is her. Um, she, my God, she just doesn't know how to score anything but bangers. Um, and, uh, not going to lie, Denmark and China were one and the same. I mean, it, it was basically going to be whoever won that first match of the group between the Danes and the Chinese was probably going to advance. Um, I'm so mid on both of them. 
Um, England was clearly the class of the group. Um, got off to a sl- pretty slow start. Um, it was good to see them flex their muscle a little bit in that final match against China. Um, I would assume they're one of the favorites going forward. Um, they're going to have to go through France at some point, I believe in the semi, I think that side of the bracket would have France and England in the semifinals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, which would just yeah, be a class, which just be a classic match that would, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know this, this, this group to me, I think I went into the final match day expecting some sauce and chaos and I got a lot of sauce from Lauren James and I didn't get a lot of chaos and like, that's fine. Like it's going to happen at every world cup. You're going to get those groups where it just kind of, it kind of ends up how you think it's supposed to. Um, so honestly, not too, too much to say. I think England is one of the favorites. Denmark, I think is going to go out very quickly and that's just, I mean, it's just that. Lauren James and her brother Reese both play for Chelsea and the English national team. So that's a very fun fact. Uh, to your point, her technical ability is unreal. She makes incredibly difficult shots look like training ground exercises. And that has made her one of my favorite players to watch at this World Cup. I mean, she's just going to do something electric every time she steps on the field. So much fun. Um. Haiti may not have scored a goal, but I thought they played admirably and courageously. So they only conceded four goals, and three of them were from penalties. So they only allowed one goal in the run of play in your World Cup debut. Like, that's remarkable. I thought Teus was an inspiration in goal. And, like, not to to tokenize them as, like, an inspiration, like, too much. That probably happens a little bit too much in the women's game. But I do think it's worth mentioning the nation of Haiti currently doesn't have a functioning government. Their president was assassinated in 2021 and like gang violence has taken over the country on top of an earthquake. It is remarkable that they even fielded a team and got here, let alone compete at the level that they did. Agreed. Agreed. I wish we could say more about this group, but I I mean, it's just. It was, it was it was pretty straightforward. Yes. Group F, uh, one of the many groups that had some shocking results. Group F felt the almighty power of CONCACAF <laughs> right off the bat as Jamaica gutted out a scoreless draw against France, defending 12 French corner kicks. Star striker Bunny Shaw did pick up a second yellow in stoppage time that saw her suspended for the match against Panama. Speaking of Panama, they got blitzed 4-0 by the always talented Brazil with Ari Borges of Racing Louisville recording a hat-trick and assisting the other goal with a back heel that finished off a true Hogo Bonito move, one of the better goals of the World Cup. France versus Brazil was the headline matchup in this group, and it was the stars who got on the score sheet for both teams. Eugenie Lesomer drove a header into the bottom corner to give France the lead after 17 minutes. Then Dabinha evened up the score in the 58th minute after a beautiful touch with the outside of her foot to bring down a deflected shot. But it was Wendy Reynard in the 83rd minute looping around to the back post on a corner kick and driving a header into the ground. That and she always that. does. She's so good on set pieces. That gave France the 2-1 win. Even without Shaw, Jamaica secured a 1-0 win over Panama through former Boston College great Allison Swaby's header, moving backwards on a corner kick that eliminated 
Las Canaleras. Marta Cox started the chaos early on the final match day, curling in an absolute golazo from a free kick to put Panama ahead in the second <laughs> minute for their first ever World Cup goal. I mean, it was from like 30 yards out, like not quite like Roberto Carlos' <laughs> banana kick level, but I mean, it was, you could not hit a Man, man. But eventually, France's quality shone through, and Le Bleu won 6-3 in a wildly high-scoring match, bolstered by a hat-trick from PSG forward Kadidiatu Diani. Needing just a draw to advance, the reggae girls held another high-powered tournament contender scoreless with eight saves from Rebecca Spencer. The nil-nil draw eliminated Brazil and secured Jamaica's spot in the round of 16. So France wins the group on seven points, advancing to their fourth straight knockout stage. They look to improve on their best ever finish of fourth place in 2011. In just their second ever World Cup, Jamaica advances in second place with five points. Their only previous appearance was in 2019, where they lost every group stage match by multiple goals. Huge step by them. Brazil, the 2007 runners-up in this competition, finished in third place with four points and failed to advance out of the group stage for the first time since 1995. Panama came in last in their World Cup debut, but did have some moments of joy with three goals to celebrate against France. Thoughts on Group F? I just want to say I called Jamaica from the start. You did. You did. I'll give you credit um, there. When I, so much of World Cups, what matters to me is when you play opponents. And I thought the fixture list just played into Jamaica's hands to be able to advance. And the fact that they gutted out a result against France made me even more sure that they were going to advance. Because, yeah, they only beat Panama one nothing, but they absolutely bossed that match, even without Bunny Shaw. If they'd had Bunny, they'd probably win that match by three, four, five goals, potentially, just because what they were lacking was that that true number nine clinical finisher. Um, I feel awful for Marta. Um, I think one of the greats in world football for men or women. I mean, I think like she's iconic. I think she's easily in that Mount Rushmore of all time. Greats just in the sport as a whole, um, just for what she's done for the women's game, the type of leader that she is. I hate it for her, but Jamaica advancing is so fucking incredible. It, I mean, I just, I can't, I, li- I don't, I could not stop smiling at the end of that Brazil match. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop smiling because like the game has just come so far that a team that had to put a GoFundMe together yep. to just make it to Australia and New Zealand doesn't concede a goal for for 270 minutes of soccer with in the same group as France and Brazil. Huh? I mean, that is insane. Um, I will say... Uh, France, I think, is very shaky at the back. Um, I, d- I think they'll make the semifinals. 
Um, I think they're going to struggle to get there. Um, I think you're going to see some wild matches. I think they have plenty going forward, but um, outside of Wendy Renard, their back line, I think was really, really shaky. Um, I know they rotated the squad a decent bit against Panama to my knowledge, but like if you're giving up three goals to Panama, like I'm, what are you going to do against England? And maybe I'm reading too much into it. They were leading 5-1 at one point. It is easy to get complacent and kind of switch off a little bit. But um, anyway, wildly entertaining group. Ton of chaos. I, I could say more, but um, it's nuts having two CONCACAF teams in the knockout stages, and one of them is not the U.S. or Canada. Like, that's that's just bananas. Yeah. Uh, similar to Christine Sinclair not being able to get out of the group stage. It sucks that Marta's career ends with a group stage exit, but probably underscores once again, how far the women's game has grown that you can't just get by with trotting out your legendary stars. I mean, it's, it's a tournament of youth now, which is, which is good to see. Although unfortunate for the legends of the game. Uh, The only other thing I, I think you hit the nail on the head with a lot of your points there. Um, my only other thing, I would love to see Marta Cox in NWSL. I think she'd be really good there. I think that'd be really Ooh. fun. Woo! <laughs> she's, um, she's playing for Pachuca in Mexico right now. Um, I guess one other thought there, not to get like too sentimental, but I'm hopeful that players like Sinclair and Marta will look back after this experience and they reflect and like understand that the game is much better now as they're retiring than when they found it. Um, and I think if you're a legend of anything, you want to be known for the legacy that you left. And even though their national teams may be floundering a little bit, the game as a whole, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like a broken record, like, <laughs> You you can't have watched this and not told me that this wasn't compelling and entertaining and thought provoking and emotion provoking uh, football. Like it, I mean, it just these forty eight matches hit every single thing that you love about sports, and it's because of players like Christine Sinclair and Marta and what they did, and even Abby Wambach and the Mia Hams and all of those incredible players before. So not to get too sentimental, but yeah. No, to group, I to group G wholeheartedly agree. Group G give us the first comeback. One of the tournament, South Africa took a surprise lead over Sweden in the 48th minute through Hilda Magaya's rebound goal. But Barcelona's Fridolina Rolfo redirected a cross to equalize in the 65th minute. And Amanda Ilstead, who just signed with Arsenal, Got up to head home a header in the, from a corner kick in the 90th minute to give the blue and yellow the win at the death. Italy opened uh, nah, excuse me. Italy opened their World Cup with a deserved 1-0 win over Argentina. Cristiana Girelli of Juventus scored a header in the 87th minute for La Azuri. South Africa jumped out to a lead again against Argentina with Linda Motalo scoring in the 30th minute on a play Argentina falsely assumed was offside. And Tempe Kaklana scored a second in the 66th after Jermaine Siopasenwe won the ball back after a high press. But Argentina fought back in the 74th minute. Sofia Braun hit a beautiful dipping strike from outside the box to cut it to 2-1. And 
And Romina Nunez's header in the 79th minute sealed the final score of 2-2. Meanwhile, Sweden asserted its dominance in the group, crushing Italy 5-0, a win that included a brace from Illestad. Sweden then took care of business to win the group with a 2-0 victory over Argentina. The goals came from Rebecca, Rebecca Blomqvist and Ellen Rubinson. South Africa and Italy then played what was essentially a winner-take-all match for second. Juventus's Ariana Caruso converted a penalty in the 11th minute to put Italy ahead 1-0. A shockingly bad back pass from Benedetta Orsi resulted in an own goal in the 31st minute that tied it at 1-1. A powerful left-footed strike from Magaya put South Africa ahead for the first time in the 67th minute, but Caruso equalized at 2-2 in the 74th minute, reflecting a corner kick into the net. Staring down elimination in stoppage time, Magaya played a great ball across the goal for Kaklana whose first-time finish gave South Africa a dramatic 3-2 win. Sweden wins the group with a perfect nine points. The 2003 runners-up make their fourth straight knockout stage. The win over Italy was South Africa's first-ever World Cup win, and in only their second appearance, the Banyana Banyana advanced to the knockout stage for the first time, finishing second in the group on four points. Italy placed third with three points and failed to build on their quarterfinal appearance from 2019. Mm. Argentina come in last with one point and in their fourth World Cup have yet to win a match or advance out of the group stage. Thoughts on Group G? This group was fascinating to me because I thought South Africa was very clearly the second best team in the group. Um, you could even argue the the best team, maybe even talent-wise. Um, what they did to advance, I think, is the most remarkable uh, many of their players were feuding with their federation prior to the World Cup that they played Botswana, I think it was, in a friendly. And they were so short on players that one of their subs was a 13-year-old just to fill the numbers. Um, And so what they did, I think, I think just speaks to I guess the the humanness of this tournament, like these people faced adversity and they said, fuck you, we're going to do this anyway. Um, they should have beaten Argentina, deserved winners against Italy, and honestly probably earned a draw if we're being honest against Sweden. Um, I, st- I still am not <laughs> – I, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to be a Sweden believer. Um they get results. I think they would they finish fourth at the last World Cup in 2019, I believe. Maybe even third, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they were third. Like, they get it done. They often get it done. Um, took down the U.S. in the quarters of the 2016 Olympics in Brazil. I just, I, I just, I can't. I, I can definitely see them beating the U.S., in the round of 16, I, I can't see them getting much farther than that. Um, they're obviously great on set pieces, but um, to advance, you you tend to need one or two like really focal point players that can that can kind of get you a goal or create a chance for you when you need one. And it really seemed like they struggled to do that in this group, in a group with three I would say wildly inferior opponents. Um, I don't know. Italy and Argentina, thanks for coming. Like, 
Thanks for coming. Glad you showed up. Glad you played. Um, See, I think Sweden is a dark horse. Tonight. Oh, the, the, no, no, no. They are. I'm, I'm sure they are. They get results. They they can get it done. I just I watch them play. And I feel like I, I feel like I'm saying the same things I said after they beat the U.S. <clears throat> in 2011 in the group stage. They're getting the results, but there ain't nothing there that excites me. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I think once they figured out how to beat South Africa and got that moment, I think they've been clicking since then. My fun stat for you on Sweden. So in addition to being runners-up in 2003, they've been a third-place finisher at the World Cup three different times. So like they have the pedigree to always be there. I think they're a dark horse. Um, yeah, to your point, insane stuff from South Africa to <laughs> blow two leads in two different games and then to get a comeback win at the death three on games. the final day to advance. Like that, Three games. They had the lead in all three of them. That's true. Matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're a South Africa fan, man, your blood pressure is through the roof. I think I think they're dark horse to advance. You can talk um, me into it. I I I gen. I don't think they'll beat the Netherlands. Just I, I think the Netherlands tactically are really really good, and I know um, the Netherlands don't have their key forward. But like I think eventually they'll they'll break down the South Africans. But I I think I think all I think RSA that game is, has some goals in it though. I, I, I mean like they've three well, they've got game. some sauce. So. Could be could be dark horse match of 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 the round of sixteen potentially that one I think that's one that like if I'm a neutral Saturday night at ten o'clock like I'm gonna be I would tune in I would highly consider tuning in. Group H saved us some chaos for the final day of group stage matches, but it started with Germany blowing out Morocco by a six 0 score line. Alexandra Pop notching a brace. Colombia. Opened with a 2-0 win over South Korea. With the old guard of Catalina Uzme, the nation's all-time leading scorer, converting a penalty in the 29th minute. And then the new guard of 18-year-old Real Madrid phenom Linda Caicedo, scoring a brilliant individual goal in the 39th. Iptisam Girardi's six-minute glancing header was the difference in Morocco's 1-0 win over South Korea, the first in their World Cup history. Caicedo one-upped herself against Germany, baiting two defenders and then slicing through them before unleashing a curling shot into the upper 90 in the 52nd minute. Pop equalized with a converted penalty in the 89th minute, and that looked like it surely wrapped up a draw. In the final seconds of the seventh minute of stoppage time, when Manuela Venegas buried a header from a corner kick to give Colombia a massive 2-1 to upset over Germany. Morocco pulled even with Colombia at the top of the table with six points on the final match day beating their South American opponents 1-0. Ghislaine Shabak's first-half stoppage time penalty was saved, but Anissa Lamari was there to put home the rebound. With a massive goal differential advantage over Morocco, Germany just needed to win against South Korea to advance, but the Koreans played spoiler, grinding out a 1-1 draw and eliminating the Germans. A great through ball to Cho So-hyun put her in on goal all alone, and she finished to make it 1-0 in the sixth minute. Then Pop won a header to equalize in the 42nd minute, but it wasn't enough. Colombia wins the group with six points and a plus-two goal differential. 
They advanced to the knockout stage for the second time in their history and first since 2015. Morocco, the first ever Arab team to play in a World Cup, advances in second place on six points and a negative four goal differential in their debut year. Germany comes in third with four points and fails to make the knockout stage for the first time ever. They had made at least the quarterfinals at every previous World Cup. And then in their fourth World Cup appearance, South Korea comes in last with one point. Uh, Their best finish came in 2015 in the round of 16. Thoughts on Group H? Oh, man. I thought you were going to kill me when I was, like, yelling texts at you during that Columbia-Germany match. I was getting annoyed. Um, but it was I mean, it was worthy. This, 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 man, this shit is why sports are so much fun. It's nuts that a Germany beaten South Korea. Like, they were one goal away from winning the group. Like, given the results, they couldn't have finished in second. Unless, like, Morocco had won by seven. Right. Like, it was either miss the knockouts or win the group. Like, no no outlier unless Colombia had drawn Morocco. And uh, Casado, I mean, you have it in the notes. I mean, she's a she's so gifted and such a baller and isn't the future of the game. She's the right now of the game and... And we're probably going to get three more World Cups with her. Um, so cool. The moment of Morocco watching the end of the Germany match, knowing that they had advanced. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't have many thoughts that are coherent, other than this sport and this tournament are amazing. Um. And maybe we need to be a little kinder to the U.S. Maybe. Just yeah. throwing that out there. For perspective, as frustrated <laughs> as I am with the U.S.'s performance, Germany, who has won two World Cups, Canada, who has won an Olympic gold medal, Brazil, who has Marta, one of like the greatest players ever and has been a runner-up at both Olympics and World Cups, none of them made the knockout stage. And the second, did- second, seventh, and eighth failed to make the knockout stages which is pretty wild. Uh, yeah, Linda Caicedo is so fucking good. The fact that she's 18 years old and dicing people up, I mean, she is like a legitimate generational, like top three in the world talent. Um, she is going to be so much fun to watch. I mean, she is good enough to like single-handedly elevate Columbia to a level that they have not been at before. Um, which is just fun to watch. Uh, Morocco advancing also makes three African teams in the round of 16 for the first time ever, which is pretty cool. Nigeria, South Africa, and Morocco. Um, my one note on South Korea, Casey Fair became the youngest ever player at a World Cup. Uh, she subbed on at 16 years old. She is not playing for a professional team because she's playing high school soccer in New Jersey. Uh, Her mom is Korean and she was born there. Um, And then they moved to New Jersey. Um, Hopefully you don't have the Google doc open because I do have a trivia question for you. I guess I looked it up. What do you think the number one song in the country was the day that she was born? This is going to make you feel old. So that would have been 
So she's 16. She's 16. So that would have been 07 if we're doing 16 years from today. Yep. 07. Was it like No Air by like Jordan Sparks or some (laughs) shit? Great guess. It was Umbrella by Rihanna featuring Jay-Z. That was the number one song when she was born. You'll note Rihanna is still a relevant musician. She just performed at the 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 Super Bowl. Oh my god! And that wasn't even Rihanna's like first album. I'm also like shout out to 2007 because I definitely had the all time low cover of that song on my like iPod Nano. Anyways, yeah, you did. Um, we're ancient. Do you have thoughts uh, previewing the round of 16? I think we've touched on a lot of it, kind of broadly. It's gonna. I think it's gonna be compelling. Um, may may see a blowout or two. Um, you tend to get that in the round of sixteen because I think you get some shock um, matchups. Um, I think USA Sweden. I think you could argue will be the match of of the round. Um, Freaking, um, we cannot escape Sweden. No, we can't. What is this? The sixth straight World Cup. So, we played so in? in 2019. We beat them in the group stage. In 2015, we beat them in the group stage. No, we drew them in the group stage. Good nil, call. nil, nil, nil. Right. We drew them in the group stage. In 20... Sorry, I have so many Wikipedia tabs. 2011, we lost to them in the group stage. Right. And the 2020 Olympics, we lost, We got killed by them in the group stage. In the 2016 Olympics, they eliminated us in the quarterfinals. I'm so sick of Sweden. <laughs> I believe we played them in the group stage at the 2012 Olympics as well. Probably. I'm tired. I mean, like, the way they did the bracket is dumb. Yes. It was very Gold Cup-esque. Uh, the U.S. and the Netherlands should be on opposite sides of the bracket, much like... France I do and think Jamaica a potential Netherlands Spain quarterfinal could be really fun. I think the quarters are shaping up to be really good. Um, but I, I mean, I don't know, man. Like to your point, I think Japan is going to be a tough matchup for either Sweden or the United States. I think, I think to me, my dark horse to advance though, I think is Australia. Yeah. Um, being at home. If if they get Sam Kerr back, like they have a favorable geez. matchup in Denmark in the round of sixteen, then they would play the winner of France Morocco, France Australia could be a great quarterfinal. So then, what England would get the winner of? So it's England Nigeria. That winner would play Colombia Jamaica. Winner that Colombia Jamaica uh, game is the perfect like so sickos matchup. I am that so is, here for that. That I I I meant to say this in our preview episode, but like I love World Cups because every World Cup in the round of 16, you'll get a matchup like the US and Sweden where it's two teams that you could see making it to like the semis or farther even playing in the first round and the fact that one of them could just go home is like a complete disservice to both teams and then you'll get a matchup like Columbia Jamaica where both teams are like 
holy shit, we have a chance to be like one of the eight best teams in the world. And if you play your cards right, you could find yourself in the semifinals. Like, it's just chaos. I mean, one of those um, teams is going to make the quarterfinals for the first time ever. It's going to be fun. It's going to be compelling. The matches are going to be at horrific times. Um, I am excited, though. I love World Cups, but it's just so much soccer in a tightly contested window that, like, or tightly put together window that, after the matches on Tuesday, it's going to be nice for you and I, I think, to have 48 hours to, like, decompress and actually analyze this stuff one after the other. Um, you got anything else? Uh, I do not. I am also tired. <laughs> well, ladies and gents. Up. I'm having a blast. We apologize for not being able to uh, record during the group stage. Um we both have also been trying to enjoy our summers as much as possible. Um, Andy, I know you were busy with vacation, but now that we've hit the knockouts of the World Cup, uh, you can expect some more regular uploads. Um, so we'll be uploading. I think I said this in the preview, but uploading after each each round of matches, recapping the ones before, previewing the next set um, all the way until the final on Sunday, August 20th. Um, yeah, man. It's great. We got Leagues Cup happening as well. I think DC United probably lost to the Philadelphia Union tonight. Um, oh, I've I I love Leagues Cup as a concept, and I have been able to watch none of it. Lost five four on PKs. Ah, brutal. Uh, hey, DC United signed regular listeners of this dumb podcast will love Jose Fajardo and Eric Davis from that Panamanian team from the Gold Cup. So I'm pretty excited about that. Absolutely incredible, but expect more daily or uh, more regular uploads. Um, we're excited. Should be a phenomenal knockout stage. We have Nations League right around the corner starting again, the end of an MLS season, the end of League's Cup. Um, start of a new European campaign on the men's and women's side coming up in a couple weeks. A lot of good stuff happening. We've hit August, and you and I are not working in college athletics anymore, and it's amazing. And so with that – my name is Don Palumbo with my esteemed and much smarter colleague, Andy Lohman. Thank you for making Because CONCACAF a part of your day. Thank you for listening, no matter where you may be listening, how you may be listening. We don't care. Thank you for listening. You guys mean the absolute world to us. Have a great day, evening, night, whenever you may be listening. See you.